Welcome to The Resonance, the podcast about the energy industry from Alpha Energy Group. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alpha Energy Group podcast. I'm Jeremy Nicholson, Corporate Affairs Officer at Alpha, and this week we're looking at non-commodity costs across Europe. And I'm joined by my colleague, Karin Gobani, Senior Operations Analyst, who's an expert in the European markets and the non-commodity costs that apply there. Uh, welcome to you. I guess some people listening will be wondering, well, what are non-commodity costs? How much of the bill do they account for? And uh, where do they come from? Good morning, Jeremy. Yes, it's a good question because sometimes I'm not going to say they get forgotten about, but I think they slowly but surely over the last few years have gained um, more importance because they take over more and more of what um, people actually have to pay for. When it comes to what they are, we are quite focused normally on the wholesale energy price. We fix our contracts and people have got control over that. And there's this massive other part of the invoice where we normally then pay for the transmission and distribution of the energy, general taxation, any kind of government initiatives that are going on, like, for example, over the last few years, more of the focus has shifted towards increasing our green energy. So all of those things need funding, need investment, and hence they get rolled over into what us customers have to pay on our bills. They were always there in one way, shape or form. They are there in, in every country that we operate. But over the last few years, there's been a slight and slow increase of them. So that where they used to form like, say, 30-40% of your final bill, by now they are at least 50% normally. In some countries, they even make up three quarters of your final invoice. What was kind of interesting over the last few months that we've talked to customers and they said we had a really good purchasing strategy. We managed to let our board know that we had year-on-year savings on our contracts, but still customers pay more in the end. And that is because those non-commodity costs increase in the background and people have to pay in the end a higher price on their invoices, even though the commodity aspect went down. Well, that's a really clear explanation of something that could be quite complicated to understand on the bills. And just to develop a bit further why these costs have come about, because, you know, we've all read about the reductions in the cost of generating renewable electricity, for example, and yet the bills are going up. Is this because subsidy costs, network costs are going up and one is offsetting the other? What's going on there? I think there's a mix going on at the moment. Obviously, we are operating on a pan-European market and some of those costs, they are driven by schemes that apply in the whole of Europe, like EU directives that are coming out on how taxation is to be set, how the investment in green energy has to happen in Europe. But then on a local level, these get translated into country-specific subsidies and taxes that get applied. So part of it will be network operators have to invest to make sure that their network is up to date in general, that we can get electricity out of the plug. Then there's the other aspect that if investment in green, for example, has to happen, somebody has to pay for it. And while it's government incentivized, still there is a levy normally on customers' invoices that is set. And what we've seen over the last few years that has been set at an increasing price year on year, and that trend probably will happen. The other aspect is that network operators and governments need to ensure that they focus on digitalization so that what we offer in the general energy market is actually up to scratch with the technological developments that are required. 
Indeed. You mentioned the European markets. We're tempted sometimes to think of it as a single market because in commodity costs, it, it increasingly is. But the policies are slightly different. Even where you have a common emissions trading cost, that manifests itself rather different in more carbon-intensive markets. And the tax levels do vary, albeit within ranges and so on. So just because one part of a business in one part of Europe experiences certain costs, that doesn't mean that the costs are going to be the same in adjacent markets, does it? And, and this can be quite complicated for pan-European businesses to analyse. Yes, you're right there. There tend to be significant differences between one market and the other. Some of it can come already down to like the charging mechanisms that is behind it, whereas in some countries, all of these non-commodity costs come in almost like one line on your invoice without much detail and you pay for it in others. They are broken down. You can see them and how governments apply these European-driven and local-driven taxes depends quite a lot. The char charging mechanisms in some countries depend on like the geopolitical locations. We've got different national levels of taxation that then incorporate the European prices that go with it. And then how the network operators are paid is also different in every country. That leads to significant different levels, whereas, like I said, in some countries, 75% is pure network and taxes, which is huge. And in others, we're still kind of close to the 40% ranges. So if you look at it from a business perspective, that is operating in various countries in Europe is an important factor to consider where you want to open a plant, uh, where you want to focus your production, just because the costs will be significantly different. What helps is that although the charging mechanisms are different in every country, there is that element that in every country there will be some sort of opportunities to reduce what you pay because I think governments have realized they need to allow their companies in their countries to stay competitive. So they try to get a little bit of balance that if you're on one side of the border, you are not negatively impacted by the taxation that happens in your country, whereas somebody else 20 kilometers down the road on the other side of the border pays much less for their energy costs. Like if you're producing and you're a very energy intensive user, that will um, impact decisions of where you're going to open. That's hugely important for the energy intensive users, as you say, who are worried about international competitiveness. But there are things that, uh, to a greater or lesser extent, all businesses can look at. I mean, some listening to this podcast might think, well, you know, it's all very interesting where these costs come from and it's all terribly complicated. What can I do about it? Obviously, some may be eligible for compensation or exemptions, but there are other things I gather businesses can do in terms of their capacity and load management to try and keep these costs in check. Uh, what would you say to those businesses? I think in general, it is always worth looking at what you pay for when it comes to non-commodity costs, what you have to pay for and what you can maybe get reductions for. There's still a stigma that they are regulated, everybody has to pay it, so we'll just take them how they are. But every business should explore the options that are available for them in the country that they operate or if you're operating on a pan-European scale, um, what is available in all of your countries. Obviously, it is massive beast to keep track of any reductions that they are, but there are certain things that everybody can do. Like you mentioned, for example, in certain countries, it is quite lucrative to look at what you could achieve with 
load management, managing your capacity, getting out from those peaks where the networks are used quite heavily. There tend to be quite good benefits for that. In most countries, there will be some reduction or total exemptions for some levies if you are in certain industry sectors, for example, or if energy tends to be a large part of your overall company costs, for example. Slowly but surely, we see and also in, in more and more places cropping up reductions. If you do something for like energy efficiency in general, there tends to be certain reductions that you can apply for. And I know some of them can be quite complex. It's complex to assess what you're eligible for. And there are a lot of schemes out there, but kind of putting all the focus into one pot, knowing what your consumption was, knowing which industry you're in. If that is looked at by an expert or a specialist, there tends to be probably something in every country that could apply for end users, or at least it's worth exploring. Then how that gets applied, it varies. Some of it are pure cutting euros for kilowatt hours away from your bills. Other are applied retrospectively, so you can get refunds for previous years. Some you have to apply annually, some you only do as a one-off and you keep them forever. So the processes vary from country to country, from scheme to scheme, but it's definitely worth exploring. I'm sure that's sound advice, and it's important for people to realize just because the non-commodity costs might look like they're fixed in certain instances, it doesn't mean there isn't something you can do about it. There may be different initiatives, as you say, to exempt or reduce those costs and manage them. And of course, energy efficiency makes sense anyway. But lastly, looking to the future, there's an awful lot going on at a European level and elsewhere, the Green Deal, tax directives and so on being looked at briefly. What can consumers look forward to over the next year or two? How is that going to start affecting their non-commodity charges? Well, I'm not sure if looking forward to is the, is the right way of, of putting it. I think the trend that we've seen over the last few years is definitely set to carry on. You've mentioned the Green Deal that will still carry on affecting how levies are applied on a European-wide level. The Energy Tax Directive is about to be looked at again, so also that might have an impact. And we also see that countries are generally overhauling their charging mechanisms. There's a big change about to come out in Spain now in the next quarter. Other countries have already done them last year to this year. So I think the trend that we've seen will carry on. They're not going to go away. I think it might be foolish to think that they're going to reduce in the long term. But definitely, if you think at what schemes are available, when we looked at it like a few years ago, only a few countries had certain exemptions and opportunities to optimize these costs. And by now, I think every country that we operate in does have something. How you as, a, as an end customer also can have a little impact or a big impact on what these non-commodity costs are. So it shifts a little bit of power back to people to impact those regulated costs, but they need to be explored and they're not necessarily readily available just like that. Well, I guess the issue for many users might not just be where are these charges going, but whether they're actually paying the correct charges in the first place. What should users be doing about that to check their bills and know that their budgeting is realistic for the future? Well, I think it's an interesting point because we've mentioned before that these costs are regulated. People think what 
comes from the regulator is correct. But there are so many variances that dictate what you have to pay on your invoice. So things can get missed, especially some countries, they change every month, every quarter, the prices. So just to make sure that always that in every single bill, the amount that you pay is correct. And if you notice something today, check, has it been wrong for some time? Was it just now? And make sure that what you pay for is actually what you're due to pay for. The other aspect is that from a budgeting perspective, we mentioned already that there is a trend of how these non-commodity costs are going. And that trend, ideally, you would try to incorporate into your budgets when you submit them to make sure that you're not totally out of your budget from day one. I know budgeting for energy costs tends not to be the easiest thing to do because you've got so many variables, but just having somebody keeping an eye on the trend and incorporating anything in a sensible forecast um, that can be applied for your business um, is definitely a good thing to do. Well, I think that's a hugely important point on which to end. Thank you, Karen, for explaining this extremely complex subject so clearly, at least for a first introduction, one I'm sure we're going to be returning to probably at least quarterly over the year ahead. And I hope you found that as interesting as I did. If you'd like to find out more, please visit our website at alphaenergygroup.com forward slash UK. Maybe even consider subscribing to our European non-commodities report, which goes into this in more detail. And we hope you join us again for a podcast soon soon.